Welcome to episode 51 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani. I'm Andy Hamilton, coming to you from Cedar Falls, Iowa, joined on the phone by my man, David Mercatani. Welcome back, David. Thank you, Andy. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. we got some big stuff to talk about today, David. Uh, big news in the college wrestling world. Story that we had on Track Wrestling Today about uh, some potential monumental changes in college wrestling. At the U23 tournament, World Team Trials coming up a week from now up in Rochester, Minnesota. The early uh, entry list for that is out. Um, some other stuff going on in the wrestling world as well. But, um, David, the, the thing that uh, a lot of people are talking to, talking to me about, a lot of people are talking about in college wrestling in general is, you know, the story we talked about uh, a little bit at the top Um you know, that story about potential changes that could be occurring in college wrestling. And, and uh, if you haven't read it, it's up on track wrestling. Uh, the Blue Ribbon Task Force that was formed uh, a year ago in February to kind of take a look at uh, the long-term health of college wrestling at the Division One level, they have unanimously re- recommended moving wrestling to a second-semester-only sport and also – uh, putting a dual tournament on the end of the season. So NCAA championships would remain in the same place on the calendar in March, but there would be a, another five or six weeks of duels after that. David, what, what are your thoughts on this? I, I, there's a bunch of thoughts that went through my mind. One of the things that's really interesting is by doing this, you know, now they keep all those arenas in play that we talked about if they had moved the individual tournament, you know, to April. So that's one thing, just being a St. Louis guy and loving it here. Um, Second thing is, as a guy that coached for a lot of years, I think it's good for the student athletes. I think it's great that uh, it's a one-semester sport. In a lot of cases, you can, you know, take a heavier load or a harder class load in the fall and, uh, I think that's really going to help guys. I, You know, I was talking to a friend of mine that coached years of college sports, and we weren't sure about volleyball, but the only other sport that we could think of that went across both semesters was basketball. So it, it, it's, you know, wrestling has always had a really difficult academic load. So I think it's, I think that's a, a really good positive step for the student athletes. Yeah. And there's some work that, that still has to be done for this to, to come to fruition, but um you know, as I mentioned, it was unanimously approved by the Blue Ribbon Task Force. You think about the people that are on that list. Um, you know, Tom Ryan is on that task force. Troy Nickerson is on that tax, task force. Uh, you also have um, Bob Bolsby, the Big 12 commissioner, the former athletic director at uh, U, uh, UNI, at Iowa, and at Stanford. Uh, Bob's a guy that uh, I got to know a little bit when uh, he was at Iowa. And uh, exceptionally bright guy that uh, has his fingers on the pulse of of the college athletic landscape. And, uh, you know, in, in fact, some of the things that he told me five years ago that that would happen uh, over the course of the next five years, uh, you know, have have occurred, just played out just the way he said they would. And, and so I think he's a guy that uh, has a pretty good understanding of, of what needs to transpire. He's a guy that, uh, you know, has a strong wrestling background, too. I mean, you're talking about a guy that wrestled at Waterloo West here uh, in the Cedar Valley, uh, the same school that Dan Gable went to. 
Um, guy that wrestled in college is, uh, his brother John wrestled at Iowa. So, you know, he's a guy that, uh, has, uh, you know, a lot of, credibility, but also a lot of uh, passion for wrestling and, and he wants to see this thing thrive too. So, so he's on it. Debbie Yao, the athletic director at North Carolina State, she's on it. Uh, Oliver Luck, the former, uh, athletic director at West Virginia, he's with the NCAA now. Some people might know him as Andrew Luck's father. Uh, he's on it as well. Um, so there, there are a lot of people that are connected uh, at the highest levels of college athletics that uh, are highly recommending this. And I think that, uh, you know, when you start taking a big-picture approach for trying to, to preserve uh, what college wrestling has and thrive for the future, um, I, I think that uh, these are, you know, these are people that uh, certainly are, are, are people that, that wrestling people need to listen to. So. Um, I really like the, the concept to go into the second semester for reasons that, that you already laid out. I, I think uh, you, you take a lot off the plate as a student athlete uh, for not having to go through, um, you know, basically getting your way down and getting ready to start the season when midterms are going on. Then you've got finals uh, right before, uh, you know, right, right during the, about the five, six week mark of, of competition for the season. And uh, then midterms again when when uh, about the time that uh, the postseason's rolling around. So you know that's that's kind of a heavy lift, and you know being able to go to uh, a one semester sport would would allow a lot of these uh, uh, athletes, particularly first year athletes, uh, a chance to get their feet on the ground in school, and and also uh, you know all of the athletes to uh, have a chance to to take a heavier course load in that first semester. So I think that, that those are, are really positives in terms of trying to crank up that APR statistic for wrestling. Um, but also, uh, you know, as you mentioned, one of the things that we talked about when, when there was, was talk of this a year ago about going to uh, just a spring only sport, uh, spring only sport was, you know, the potential conflicts for arenas, you know, yeah. for, for trying to get the NCAA championships that, that colliding with, NBA and NHL playoffs. So uh, I think there's some benefits from that standpoint. Um, David, from your, your vantage point, do you, do you see any downside in this? If, if it goes through, is, is there any downside? And, and if so, what would that be? I think, you know, I, I thought about this a lot of different ways and listening to you, like um, recruiting, right? Like, so you, you recruit like right now, I mean, Right now, almost all these guys are at a big meet when they want to go to their state high school tournament. Like, I'll use Missouri. You know, Mizzou will have a meet that weekend. Now, if you want to go to XYZ state tournament, you can schedule around it a little bit. Um, I do think it's going to kind of mess this up a little bit for guys trying to make the national team um, in freestyle or Greco. But when you take... 330 guys that are in the tournament and how many more guys tried to make the tournament that didn't. And you're talking about maybe 15 to 20 guys you have to do, which obviously, you know, good for the greater good. So I don't think that's a real problem, but it's kind of an issue. Um, I mean, the more I, you know, I think I'd have to think about it from some more different angles, but I mean, overall the intent is awfully good, right? Like 
They're trying to make it simpler. Um, I think the other thing that I talked to a guy about today was how do you generate interest in this this iteration of a national champion? Like, I like golf, and I like watching the four majors. And they just had this, this FedEx Cup, and it's worth $10 million. I don't even know who won, and it was a week ago. But, I mean, I can tell you who won the Masters and all these other tournaments. They're going to have to really try to make it where it feels like it's really the winner. Like, if you use last year and you go, okay, well, Penn State won the tournament. Well, now there's another national tournament. And I think that's going to be the challenge to create that so people are as jazzed about that as they are about the one that's in March. I mean, I'd be interested. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned this from you. People follow storylines. You know, you taught me that when we first started doing this, and I didn't really ever think about it that way. I always just thought about it as a coach, but you're right. So from your point of view, how do you see that going? Well, I think, uh, you know, you look down the road here with, with this, and as I mentioned, you know, it's, we're still only in the, the uh, early stages of this, and it, it's got a long way to go. A lot of hoops for, for uh, this uh, task force to still jump through to get this uh, off the ground and to make it happen. But, I, I, you know, the one quote to me that was telling, and um, a couple quotes in the story to me that were telling in, in my interviews, um, Tom Ryan saying, there's more momentum right now than I've seen in 25 years. And, and Troy Nickerson also saying, uh, you know, it's certainly going to take some time. I think we will ultimately end up there. Absolutely. The question is when. Will it be two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now? I think ultimately we will get there eventually. The one key to me in, in all this is will, will the NCAA get behind and sponsor a second national championship event? And uh, if if that's the case, and and you can you can build around that, and I, I think that that gives you a lot more credibility. And and uh, uh, you know that's that that to me is the big issue right now because to this point the NCAA has not um, not wanted to plan its flight, not wanted to put its name on the national dual championship. They said one uh, championship event. And, uh, you know, but that being said, you know, I'm talking to some people about this story. They, they have said, you know, the NCAA, like wrestling is a moneymaker for the NCAA. It's, it's one of its best championship events. And, uh, you know, this, this is something that, that could be for the greater good of the sport. Uh, would they, you know, if it's a moneymaker and it's, it's popular and it's doing well, would they, Agree to put their name on it. I I don't know. I think that's one of the one of the keys in this. Um, well, and the other thing that's it it where wrestling might be in good shape is wrestling's not in all these scandals like you're seeing right now with like the college basketball stuff going on. I mean, wrestling's really clean when it comes to a lot of that stuff. So a clean sport saying to them, hey, we're we're positive revenue, and we think we have another idea that will be more positive revenue and we're not on the front page of the newspaper for the wrong reason. I think those yeah. are all things yeah. that could really buoy their argument. You know, they could bolster their position and people go, yeah, why don't we do this? So I think the timing of when that gets presented will be very interesting. You know, I think one of the, one of the things that would be 
really intriguing to me to see how it would it would play out would be, you know, if, as I mentioned, talk about like the NCAA getting behind it. If they do, how popular would this become? Because you're looking at a late April championship event and think about what is going on in the sporting world at that time. You know, it's a month into the Major League Baseball season. Um, you've, you've got the NBA and NHL playoffs going on, but outside of that, you know, College basketball is over. Um, spring football is kind of going on right around then. But uh, it's, it's certainly a good spot on the calendar, Yeah, I think, for for an event to thrive, for wrestling to thrive. And if you're afraid of taking the, uh, you know, the premier event away from March and, and it's spot on the calendar as it is now and not wanting to tinker with that, like how, how do you – grow wrestling to another uh, another level and, and reach fans that normally wouldn't be uh, tuning in, turning away from March Madness to watch what's going on at the NCAA Wrestling Championships. And you know, maybe this is it. Uh, you know, I, I do flip around a little bit in the spring. And, you know, when I'm out watching baseball games, um, you know, you come across some cross, right? And, and think of, like, <laughs> the popularity that that sport has gotten here in, in recent years just from – you know where where it sits on the calendar. The win- uh, the window is smart, right? Like the timing of it yeah. is good. You know, like like you're saying, like unless you're really a hardcore NBA or NHL fan, you're not really too wound up about the first round of 16 of the playoffs. And you know, baseball. I mean, I'm I live in a huge baseball town, but it's really kind of hard to get excited about game 25 of 162. You know, this is. You know, it's it's down to nutcracking time. It's down to, you know, this is a big thing. You know, one weekend, go from 16 to 8, and then the next weekend, you know, it's it's, it's going to be at XYZ University, and it's going to be huge. And I think that's, you know, the logistics of that is another thing when you think about that because you have to sell tickets. You only have six, seven days to sell tickets. You know, plane, you know, travel, all that stuff, that's an interesting issue, you know, so – but the the window of time and the amount of uh, publicity they could get is great. It's always been a problem that the the individual slash team tournament, you know, starts the same weekend as the NCAA basketball tournament. So to get a wrestling premier event away from that is a great idea. So I mean, and it, it's you know I was talking to somebody about another idea that I think we'll talk about in a week or two. I said, why is it, why is wrestling do it this way? Like we've always done it. I'm like, that's the dumbest reason in the world. You know, you look at all yeah. the iterations and, you know, you and I have talked to all these guys at USA Wrestling and RTCs and different training camp styles. Change is inevitable and you either lead, follow or get out of the way. So I think this is, I think, I think it's going to succeed. And even if it doesn't, I think it's awesome that they're trying. And <laughs> I think that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, how long have we been stuck in this spot on the calendar with, with the uh, NCAA championships? And I go back to the first year that I covered the NCAA championships. In 2000, the big talking point of the, the press conference before the tournament down in St. Louis in 2000 was about the wanting to get the tournament away from March Madness. You know, it didn't make any sense. Jay Robinson, you know, went on for probably five minutes about like why it didn't make any sense and and uh it seemed like the, like that question popped up 
every year for about six or seven years. And then finally, like people just got tired of talking about it or asking about it and, you know, it wasn't happening. And here we are, you know, 17 years later and in the tournament's still where it's at and nothing's changed. And, you know, that being said, there has been tremendous growth for, for college wrestling in the last 17 years in terms of exposure and things like that. I mean, look at, you know, back to 2000 and, and we were watching the tournament maybe um, on tape delay on ESPN2. Yeah, I remember, I think 2001, like people people being fired up about how uh, it was going to be same-day coverage or, or uh, uh, you know. Yeah, like, like an hour or two you, afterwards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> to, to, to go from that to, to now where um, to, to now where the tournament is, you know, basically you can watch the entire tournament almost. You, you can know, watch you the, watch, the first you watch the whole match. Thing. Yeah, you can yeah, watch it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and – you know, we've got it, got it to where, um, you know, what quarters, semis, finals, constellation on, on live TV, um, and, and, it, and the whole tournament streamed. Uh, I, I think there's, there have been tremendous strides that way, but you, you know, you kind of got to wonder too, uh, if, if this was the only show going on at the same time, you know, how, how much larger of a following could we have? I think a lot. I think a lot. I think like, you know, when you look at other sports right now, like, you know, college basketball with their troubles and NFL with their troubles, people watch it because they, their storylines, like, and I, again, I learned that from you, but like people root for the laundry and things like that. I mean, that's one of the interesting things that, you know, you see this in professional sports, like somebody leaves and now all of a sudden you don't root for them. But these kids for four or five years, you know, like a really polarizing guy, like a Thomas Gilman or Tony Ramos, both Iowa guys, like, they had this huge crowd of black and gold guys that rooted for them. And then other people rooted against them without even knowing what kind of guys they are, just because, you know, they're demonstrative and because, you know, they don't apologize for winning and things like that. And those storylines are great. And, you know, when you don't have to create those, which is what you taught me, and then you have a whole season of that. And then even like the dual meet thing being after the individual tournament there's obviously going to be some some rematches. Those are great stories for people to be able to promote. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the idea of, like, the world team trials. You know, like, it's there's this break, and then there's the finals. If somehow you could do it the next day and you knew everybody would make weight, that extra day of publicity would bring so many more eyes and ears to the sport. And I think this having this delay – is really going to like, okay, these were the top 16 teams. And I think from the article I saw, it was, you know, it's the conference champions in terms of dual meet performance and then at-large or wild-card teams. You know, how are those going to be selected? Like, oh, my team's in. Like, I'm from Appalachian State, and we won the SOCON or Chattanooga or SIU or whoever, you know, wins that conference. We get to wrestle with the big boys, and we may not have a, a super deep tournament team, but we have a good dual meet team, and we can – we can compete or at least be a lot closer to competing. I think those are really, really cool things that could, could pop up. And I think, you know, I think the wrestling people in that committee see that and understand that. Well, there's been a lot of emphasis on duels. Like, the, like there's been a lot of talk about the need uh, for wrestling to be more fan-friendly and to do that through duels. And, and I think uh, uh, certainly are, are you going to capture a casual fan by 
you know, bringing them to the Midlands or the Southern Scuffle or, you know, any preseason open tournament. And, you know, there's so much going on. It's hard for, uh, hard for a casual fan to wrap their head around what's going on on eight different mats and, you know, 16 different singlet colors out there. Um, that, that's a little bit of a challenge. I think the dual, the dual concept, uh, is, you know, as Troy Nickerson says, it's just, it's a lot easier to conceptualize for the, ca- you know, the casual fan. Uh, you know, and, and you're right. People root for the laundry. You know, there are people that, that will show up in Carver Hawkeye Arena, in Hilton Coliseum, in Rex Hall, uh, that aren't necessarily wrestling fans that don't know the guys in the singlets, but they know that they're Hawkeye Cyclones, Nittany Lions, Oklahoma State Cowboys, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, they're going to get behind that guy. Yeah. So that's, you know, I, I don't know how many, um, I don't know how many people became wrestling fans during my time at Iowa City Press Citizen. Um, you know, especially at the end when, when Iowa was, uh, having the resurgence and, and winning titles again under Tom Brands. Um, I don't know how many of my coworkers like started going to wrestling matches, going to wrestling meets that, that had never gone before. And they would come up to me and talk about the dual meets that they went through. So that they, they went to and certain guys on the team. And then they would start reading the stories and, and there are people that, that had never gone to dual meets before that are, you know, will still message me saying that they're going to dual meets. You know, now none of them have, to my knowledge, I, I don't know any of them that have gone to, you know, gone to the Midlands or gone to uh, the Big Ten <laughs> Championships or, or even to the NCAA Championships, but I know they're paying attention and it's because they got sucked in, uh, through the dual meet. So I think, you know, an hour and a half, two hours that, you know, it's like going to a movie, right? It and, is. Yeah. And if you're, you know, you, you have an entertaining product on the mat, you can capture, uh, you can capture new fans that way. And I think that that's, uh, you know, that's the ticket to, in my opinion, to, you know, to long-term growth. Now is, is this combination, you know, a surefire thing that, that it's going to work? That it's, um, it's going to attract the eyeballs. The way that uh, you know people on the Blue Ribbon Task Force hope, but I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think even they know. Uh, but that being said, like you know, to your point, it's it's kind of nice that people are uh, willing to, you know, that, that a guy like Bob Holsby or or uh, you know, lady like Debbie Yao or, or Oliver Luck, you know, is putting their time aside to be part of this uh, to help wrestling figure out some long term. Uh, solutions to challenges that have been in place for for decades. Yeah, I, I think one of the things, like, I was talking to somebody about this, and when we coached, my father and I coached, you know, we had some really good teams at the end, and then you really follow, like, team scoring in a tournament. But you know what's crazy is, and I think, like, I consider myself a wrestling nerd. I think the nerds know this, but in an eight-man bracket or an eight-person bracket, a 16-person bracket, and a 32-person bracket, the team scoring is different for first, second, third, fourth in every one of those. That's kind of a problem to get, you know, to get casual fans. You know, like it's 10-7-4-2, You know, like dual meets are easier to follow, and I actually – think that they could actually clean up dual meet scoring. You and I talked about this off air. Like why is a win 
where I beat you by one second of riding time weren't the same as you beating me seven to nothing. You know, but either way, it's a lot easier to follow. You know, you can tell who's winning. It's on the scoreboard. I mean, like, I think it's really confusing to people at the NCAA tournament. You know, if you pin me in the first round, you get three points. You pin me in the quarterfinals, you get nine points. And you go, well, it's because he got sixth place points. Well, how do you get sixth place points? Well, all four of the guys that made the semis are guaranteed six, as long as they make weight tomorrow because they could lose all three men. Like, I mean, you start going in that, people just, their eyes glaze over. So dual meet scoring to get casual fans, like you're saying, and then they watch this and maybe the next year they pay more attention to the whole season. Maybe they go to more meets, like you're saying, and then maybe – there's a couple guys that they, you know, they kind of taken a favor to, and they watch them in the individual tournament. So I think simplification, without obviously compromising the product, but simplification is another, another extreme benefit out of of making the dual meet thing more of a focus. And I'm assuming they're gonna pick the the 16 teams based on their dual meet performance, not how they did at their conference yeah. qualifier. And that's yeah. important because you and I have gone on ad nauseum about this, you know, people sitting guys out of duels because they honestly, as a coach, they don't matter. Like right now they don't matter. And this will make them matter, which is good. So yeah. it's a tangent or tangential benefit, but it's certainly one that exists. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, while we're on this topic real quick, do you think that uh, do you think that the culminating event loses anything when it no longer becomes the culminating event? You know, does the NCAA championships, does the individual tournament lose something knowing that all right, it's over, but we still have five six more weeks of wrestling? I think that's a legitimate concern, right? Like, I think that's something that it's it's kind of hard to you know, like they're. I, I think what they want is to say they're both equal. Well, you know, I don't want to put words in guys like Kale Sanderson's mouth, but he's always stressed that the dual meet or the national champion should be determined by tournament and not dual meet. And you and I have said this, and I stole this line from somebody smarter than me: in tournaments, your best guys matter the most, and in dual meets, your worst guy matters the most. So, you know, at tournaments, like okay, our best guys want it for us. In a, in a dual me, like our worst guys saved us. So I, I do think that's going to be, especially for old school people, like, you know, now we're going to, you know, this, this guy won, this team won because this guy just managed to stall and not get pinned. You know, like you see a lot more pins at nationals, especially on the backside, because guys are going for stuff because it doesn't matter if they lose by two or by a pin because they need to win to advance or survive or whatever. In a dual meet, you know, if I'm wrestling you and you're the defending champion and I can just not get turned, I'm doing my job. You know, and it completely takes away me actually trying to win, which I, I'm not sure that's going to be great. I mean, that's certainly something to be to be aware of and to be cognizant of and to try to figure out. I mean, I actually have a new point system thing that I think you and I will probably talk about and maybe present in the next week or two that might solve some of those problems. But I do think those are real legitimate issues that you know to be concerned and you have championship 1a and 1b and 
you know, if especially if two different teams win them, that's when it gets it's real funky. You know, like when Mizzou won the, the national duels and then, you know, they didn't win the tournament. I do think, though, the national duels, when I talked to a buddy of mine about this, he goes, the national duels have been such a joke the last couple of years, the way they've been put together. He goes, at least this is going to feel like whoever wins the tournament actually had the best dual meet team, you know, considering health, you know, for those two weeks. So I think that part is 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 really an improvement. Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the outline of, of what this would look like. You know, according to Jim Fallis, the, the facilitator of the Blue Ribbon Task Force, he told me, uh, the proposed model that, that they've presented, you know, and they presented this to uh, all the coaches at the National Wrestling Coaches Association convention uh, in August. And Troy Nickerson said that it was unanimous that they were all in favor of it. Uh, official practices would begin on or around November 10th. Uh, competition would kick off during the semester break. Uh, so, you know, my understanding is, uh, you know, rather than being a mid-season uh, barometer, you know, Midland Southern scuffle would be, you know, probably kickoff events this season. Um, the first half of the season uh, would feature a mixture of duels and individual tournaments, and uh, that would lead up to lead up to March, where you'd have conference tournaments and the NCAA championships. And then uh, post NCAA championships portion of the season would consist of only duels. And, uh, you know, that part of the season would culminate or the entire part of the, the entire season would culminate with a two weekend, 16 team dual tournament held on college campuses. Top eight seeds would receive first round home duels and, uh, uh, bracket would consist of, uh, you know, conference champions and at large selections. There would be some sort of RPI, uh, process. Uh, based off dual performance, um, as I mentioned, top eight seeds would would host dual meets on the first weekend, and then the top remaining seed after that uh, would host the eight teams that make it to the following weekend, which uh, would feature I think quarterfinals and and semifinals on a Friday night, and then a championship event on a Saturday night. Thoughts about all that, David? The layout obviously makes sense. I think it's you're obviously trying to drive fans, so certainly teams holding, you know, hosting the first one is is real, first round is a really good idea. I think you know the let's say it was Penn State or you know this past year them hosting, you know those but those kind of schools it makes a lot of sense. You're probably going to have a really good team hosting it, so that increases the likelihood of you know, them having a good crowd for that weekend. I'd be interested to see if they stick Friday, Saturday, or go to Saturday, Sunday, because it's the week right before finals, give or take. Um, the other thing that kind of popped up in my head as you were talking, that's probably another benefit of all this, is it's probably easier for coaches to make redshirt decisions, right? You know, if your season doesn't start till later, you know, eligibility becomes less of an issue, and you know, you get to see guys if they're academically really struggling. So, I mean, that's a sort of a side point. But I, besides the it's going to be hard to put people together in six days and maybe push it back one day to buy yourself a day and not be competing on a school day, because you obviously have to have all these guys travel in at least one day before. 
I think that's probably the only tweak I think they might consider. I think one of the the cool benefits to doing something like this would be the the amount of attention that it would shine on you know trying to make that you know dual meets that lead up uh to those final weekends you know if you got a 14 versus 17 matchup in the rankings like suddenly like that kind of matters it really matters you know? it really yeah. matters that's really cool yeah yeah for sure i like that a lot feels more like the college football season than the college basketball season where if you're good you get in now it's a battle now and now it goes to what you were talking about earlier where they don't sit their guys because it matters so yeah 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 one of the things that 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 tom ryan told me and it's it's not in the story um if i can dig it up in my notes here um i can't find it right off that's okay one of the things right immediately but go ahead no one of the things that i think is not being considered in all of this is the mentality of the wrestlers. I mean, wrestlers peak for the national tournament. And so, you know, all their training is, is pointed in that, that weekend in March, you know, yeah, two weeks earlier, but a lot of guys, you know, we saw how many guys did we see last year not win their conference tournament and then, you know, win the nationals or how many guys they had 10 undefeated guys going and only five came out. It's all about peaking at the right time. So now you're going to ask these guys to peak you know, mentally, either way, the adrenaline dump from having wrestled, at, uh, you know, at a college level like that, that Sunday, you don't feel like doing anything except hitting a, a buffet. And now they're going to, yep, yeah, okay, now we got three more, four more weeks. I think that's going to be a real challenge for coaches because there's not going to be a mentality among the individual kids, and I don't think it'll be on the coaching staff. It's like, well, we're going to kind of – wrestle through the individual tournament, really going to peak for the team tournament. Wrestling is by nature an individual sport where they figure out a way to keep team score. So you're not going to convince a kid to not peak for that tournament. So I think that is a real challenge, and I I would be interested to see how that will come out. I think it's a lot easier than – I think it's not as easy as people are making it sound. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's that's a valid, a very valid point. Um, here, um, this quote from Tom Tom Ryan. He said, "An early, early dual meet loss could keep a team out of the 16 team field, and right now it obviously doesn't matter. It hurts that night. Donors, fans, spectators leave thinking, man, I wish we would have won tonight, but we can still win the nationals. I look forward to the day when that's not the case. You lose tonight, and you likely lost the chance to win a championship. Yeah, you know it's." It, it's you know what kind of the concept that makes college football so great, right? I mean, yes, yes. Look at yes. that! Look at that Oklahoma Ohio State game in in week one. And I think it was week one. It I, was. I, it I was, was. I was out of I was out of the country. I don't even remember what week was. Made, but, <laughs> it uh, was. It was. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, those are those are pivotal games. You know, you get into uh, you get into November, you lose one, you're you're out of the championship race. I mean, it's really hard to recover from that point. But, uh, you know, the, that's what makes college football so great is the stakes are so high every Saturday. It, and uh, It's interesting. No, it's interesting because I was literally talking to a friend of mine about this, about the difference between college football and college basketball regular season. Like college football, you don't see all the matchups you want, but every week matters. You know, like you said, to get in that final four, 
you know, and then in college football or college basketball, you see all these matchups like, you know, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, you know, North Carolina, all these schools, they all play everybody. It just, but they don't mean anything. It only means like whether or not you're a one or two or three or a four seed. And even then, those don't even matter that much. It's kind of like, well, you know, it's a matchup. You know, those basketball games, you hear all these, the analysts say, it just matchups like our guards, their forwards, that kind of stuff. You know, so the college football season really matters. And you want, you know, it goes back to this, the statement I made earlier, wrestling's weird because we wrestle most of the meets that the top-level programs wrestle are dual meets. And then you go to a completely different scoring system to say, here's how we're going to determine our national champion. That's really, it's normal to us. That's not normal to really any other sport, and it actually doesn't make a lot of sense to fans. I mean, when we were at Merrimack, we actually got away from wrestling dual meets because we wanted our guys used to wrestling in tournament format because those were the two events that mattered, which were regionals and nationals. So now with this, like, okay, well, we got to be good at dual meets and we got to know how to train for them and peak and eat your food the right way and all these kind of things because we're going to try to win that title too. I mean, it, it's kind of like all these rule changes, right? Like it's it's almost impossible to anticipate all of the fallout, but it's cert- there's going to be some things that we guess right. And I, my guess is there'll be a thing or two that neither one of us even ever anticipated. And like, wow, we didn't see that coming, but you know, it happens. Do you think that, uh, do you think sport would be better off, you know, in trying to protect some of the, you know, we, we talk about the mid majors and the importance of them because they're the, they're the, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, they're the schools that are uh, in harm's way the most in terms of, you know, protecting their, their footing for the long term, and we just saw Boise State get get cut. Um, would it be better if this was a 32 team bracket? I wrote a proposal up, and I was about to mail it to you when all this happened. My proposal was 32, and for just that reason, and the top eight teams hosted a quad essentially. Yeah, you know, but I think for a coach, I, I talked to a coach about this. They were talking about like the Big Ten, the Big Ten transfer rules and why they existed, but it, it applies to this case. They said most athletic directors judge you on how you do in your conference. You know, they don't necessarily judge you on how you do nationally. And so if you say, look, we were first in our conference and we're going to this, or, well, we were second in our conference, but we qualified for the national duels. And it's, it's really hard for some ADs to understand we qualified four guys for nationals. You mean your team didn't qualify? Well, they did, but only four of them. Now you can say, yeah, our whole team is going to the national duels. I think that does help those mid-majors, and I think that's a really important thing to consider. And I hope, you know, maybe somebody like you or us at track can put that in the sub box to those guys, because adding one more duel to that first weekend, I don't think hurts anybody. You know, it's easy. You just draw a 32-man bracket and, you know, 1 versus 32 and 16 versus 17 goes to the number one team school and the same thing on down. I mean, it's, and you know, anybody who's ever read a bracket could draw it up and do it. It wouldn't be very difficult. But 32 will probably get killed, but they get to go, and there's value to that. And if 32 can't go, 
for whatever reason, then 33 moves up. But I, I think it keeps a lot more teams. You'll see a lot of scrambling. Like you said, those meets matter. Yeah, maybe now 14 versus 17 doesn't mean as much because they're both going to get in. But it would mean – I think it would be good for the greater growth of wrestling. And I think all of this is really – I mean, I think this whole – Blue Ribbon Task Force is really designed to help preserve what wrestling has and grow and stop playing defense and playing offense. Isn't that kind of the purpose of it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so as well. And there's some other things that uh, have come up, you know, in terms of recommendations. We'll get into those at a later date, too, that have, that have been made. Uh, this is certainly the big stuff uh, with potential season change. Dave, do you have anything else on this you want to hit before we move on? No, no, I, I think it'll be something we talk about more. Um, you're the man. Congratulations on getting the article. That's, you know, getting the, getting the story. That's awesome. Well, we also have U23 World Team Trials coming up next week on track wrestling. New events, uh, new events for United World Wrestling. The World Championships going to be in late November in, by gosh, Poland. Uh, so athletes who are 19 to 23 years old are eligible to enter, born in 94 through 98. 18-year-olds uh, born in 1999 are able to compete with a medical and parental certificate. So uh, that disqualifies a few people on the on the young side, you know, that uh, could be uh, viable contenders for the United States, but uh, there's going to be some firepower there nonetheless. Um, I believe 15 members of United States USA Wrestling's national team are, you know, early entries. Uh, G'Angelo Hancock, uh, senior world team member Greco Roman, as well as women's freestyle senior world team members Mallory Velty and Victoria Francis. In addition, Greco Roman, two world champion Kamal Bay, and uh, junior world champion Maya Nelson as well in women's freestyle. So they're going to be there in, uh, you know, in terms of recent college stars. Uh, Nathan Tomasello is in. Isaiah Martinez, Miles Martin, all three of those guys are going to be on the NCAA match this season, but they'll be up in Rochester as well as two-time NCAA champion Gabe Dean wrestling Greco-Roman. So some interesting stuff there, David. What, uh, you know, from from your vantage point, uh, what excites you about that tournament? What are some things that you uh, will be looking forward to based on what you know so far? It's interesting. I talked, Alex Deringer was here like a week and a half ago, and uh, I asked him if he was eligible age-wise, and he said he just missed it by a birth year or something like that. But my perception from talking to him was that anybody around that age is super excited about this. Like, that you know, it's a, it's a real-world tournament. You know, it's also a chance if you're maybe behind some of these, you know, I mean, obviously America's got an unbelievable senior team right now with all those medals. This is a chance for some guys to, you know, go compete. You know, he and I talked a little bit about how it'll affect some guys maybe that are kind of trained, you know, that make the team and how it'll affect their first semester and actually ties into the story you were just talking about with, you know, where, how would this affect dual meets and things like that? Although those would probably be more second semester, but I think there's going to be a lot of names. I mean, I'm reading this article you have here and I think there'll be a lot more guys 
that pop up, not guys and women, excuse me, that pop up into this. So it's going to be cool to watch. And again, it's, you know, they're growing the sport. And I think, you know, every time I read these age group articles, I always think of Cody Bickley and I smile because, you know, this has got to be another chance for him to, sh- for USA to show the structure that he and those other guys are working on. And, um, Rich Bender and he and Bill Zadick talked about this last week on Matt Chat and they're, they're very excited about this as well. So I think it's great for those guys at the top down to see, give these guys more chance to compete at an elite level and get their feet wet and, you know, so when they get to the next stage, they're not as, you know, nervous or whatever the case may be. I'm really intrigued to see what happens here in the next week, like in terms of entries. Who shows up late? Will we see Dayton Fix? Could we see a Dayton Fix, Nathan Tomasello matchup up there? I think that would be really intriguing. <laughs> That'd be cool, right? Yeah. 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 So uh some other, you know, potential matchups up there, Isaiah Martinez, Chance Marsteller. Uh, how about something like that? Yeah. So those guys have wrestled the past. I think that that would be, that'd be a pretty compelling matchup. Yeah. And, you know, Isaiah was just training with uh, Ringer last weekend. So, yeah. I mean, these guys are getting ready. You can tell. You know, I mean, they're taking it seriously. And, I mean, you go through, you know, a lot of the guys that were in the U.S. Open were younger guys. So, you know, then you just kind of go through the NCAA brackets because I've been, you know, putting together the rankings and I was kind of doing the rankings with one eye on this thing, kind of going, man, there could be some really cool matchups. And there'll be guys that pop out that we're not even thinking of. But, you know, like, I mean, just this guy's name just popped in my head, like a Cade Brock, you know, he's had a lot of success in freestyle. And, you know, he's ranked like third, I think, in the rank, you know, in, in our rankings. You know, but would certainly be in the mix at like 60 kilos, you know, as a guy that, or 61, excuse me, that, you know, that's his weight class. And, you know, I think like Coach Smith would probably think it's, you know, hey, you get a chance to compete. You know, if you win this tournament, great. If not, you got you got a chance to wrestle. I think that's how a lot of coaches look at that. So I get, I think you could see a lot of guys like that popping out. I mean, Seth Gross made a junior world team, did he not, you know, a year or two ago? Yeah. 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 Yep. There's a lot of guys like that that could pop up, so. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, because of, of, of the timing, right? I mean, you're talking about the trials next week. You're talking about the uh, uh, World Championships November 21 through the through 26, um, kind of button up against, you know, the start of the college season or, or uh, crossing over into the college season. Uh, so so it's interesting to see what, what uh, different programs, their approach to it. Um, you know, I wondered if we would see – you know, some of those Penn State guys, you know, Zane Rutherford, Jason Nolf, Mark Hall, Vincenzo Joseph, Bo Nickel, uh, doesn't look like they're going to be competing in it. Penn State has submitted a couple names for, uh, you know, the early entries, you know, club guys, Josh Rodriguez and Riley Lefebvre, but, uh, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, based on early reports that, uh, you know, we're not going to see those those guys with college eligibility from Penn State. Ohio State, on the other hand, uh, is going to send Miles Martin, Nathan Tomasello, Joey McKenna. Uh, asked Tom Ryan about it, and I, I asked him. I said, "Did your your um, kind of what you've seen happen with Kyle uh, Kyle Snyder here in in the last few years? You know, you, you've cut him loose, uh, let him go over to compete in Eureka in the World Cup, things like that in season." I said, "You know." Did the way that that worked out, did that shape your decision at all? And, and he talked about, 
you know, one of the things he really wants to be as a coach is, is to be fair. And, you know, giving Kyle that opportunity felt like, um, you know, these guys have international goals as well, uh, that, that they deserve the right to go chase those too. So that's why you're seeing Tomasello, McKenna, and, and Miles Martin. Uh, asked him about uh, uh, whether, you know, there was a lot of thought given to Colin Moore uh, potentially competing in this. He said, uh, felt like that, that uh, you know, they they needed to give him a little bit of break. You know, it's yeah. a long run here for Colin Moore after, you know, making a, a, you know, a junior world team a year ago, competing through his NCAA season, uh, having such tremendous success as a freshman, then coming back, making another junior world team, making – a run to the bronze medal there uh, here in early August. And, and uh, they're going to give him a little bit of a breather. But uh, then you think about it, if if uh, the United States was was really sending its top team, think about the guys that could be on this team. Thomas Gilman still under 23, you know, 23 and under eligible. Uh, you know, Zane Rutherford, um, Kyle Snyder, Jaden Cox. Uh, you know, that's – that's some serious firepower. Those guys, those guys half, aren't going to be in it. But, that's uh, half your national team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> but, uh, you know, you look around the world. And, and I'm going to be really intrigued to see when, when this tournament rolls around in November, uh, who's on the entry list for other other nations because uh, Sajalayev is eligible. Gino Petriashvili, uh, the heavyweight world champion, is eligible. Asanya Donny Girati, uh still under 23. So, uh uh, there's there's a lot of studs around the world that uh, are eligible for this tournament, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how many of them show up in Poland in November for it. Yeah, you made a statement about Tom Ryan where he said, you know, you want to be fair to guys, and I, you know, my mom was a teacher for years, and she, you know, she's made a statement. She goes, teaching teaching treating everybody the same way is not being fair. Some people deserve different treatment than others, and. So, yeah, I mean, we have guys that have these goals. I mean, yeah, maybe they have 35 guys in Ohio State's room that have those goals, but they're not 35 guys that are that good. And, you know, I think that makes sense to be able to do that, you know, to let those guys do that. And here's the other thing, and it's pretty obvious, but um, it's awfully good for recruiting, right? I mean, it's awfully good when you say, look, we sent guys to this and this and this. And when you mentioned the Colin Moore story, I thought originally that's why Zane wouldn't wrestle in this. That's why Mark Hall wouldn't wrestle in this. You know, the Penn State guys that were already competing at these other tournaments. You know, maybe a Vincenzo or a Nickel kind of make, and Nolf kind of make more sense. But, yeah, I mean, when you're on a recruiting visit and they go, yeah, by the way, we put guys on the junior team. We put guys on the cadet team. We put guys on the U23 team. I mean, Malik Heinzelman is who's, you know, I, until he signs, he isn't there, but as a verbal, you know, he's went to the cadet team. So, I mean, there's just, or junior team, excuse me, but there's just, you know, all those opportunities, the more you get these guys on these various teams, the easier it is to recruit. Like winners want to be around winners. You know, people want to be around opportunity to, to be great. And so I think, that's gigantic, and it just turns out it's also the fair and the right thing to do, which is awesome when the thing that benefits you is also what's best for everyone around you. Well, David, we're going to have more time to talk to you 23s next week as we uh, get closer to that event in Rochester. Uh, anything else for this week? Uh, 
Well, just real quick, Boris Novotchkoff to Hawkeye Wrestling Club. You know, congratulations to those guys from Mark Perry. And I'm going to have a pretty unique guest on Matt Chat. Um, I think that will come out Saturday from what you and I spoke about. A gentleman in Perry, Oklahoma named Chance Leonard. And he's putting a movie together, a documentary about Perry, Oklahoma, and how successful that high school has been. And I don't have the statistic exactly right, but something like over the last 50 years, they have won it at least every other year. They've never gone more than one year without winning the state title. There are only 5,000 people in the town. That's where Danny Hodge is from. It's just a really cool story. He's a super high-energy guy, really a guy of integrity, really unique life philosophy, and uh, he's really trying to better the sport and, you know, following a unique path. So I think it it, it was a really fun uh, interview to li- for me to do, and I think it'll be fun to listen to. Well, great stuff, David. Be sure to check that out uh, when that comes out uh, this weekend, and uh, we will be back next week. But thank you for your time, David. Thank you for your insight. Always my pleasure, Andy. And thank all of you for listening this week on Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mercatani. You can download us on the Matt Talk Network, Matt Talk Podcast Network. You can listen, download and listen on the go, or uh, you can certainly check us out on trackwrestling.com. If you're listening to us on the Matt Talk Podcast Network through iTunes, you can check us out on Track Wrestling. Uh, all the previous episodes are up on there. And Uh, There's also the story about uh, potential changes in college wrestling, so be sure to check that out. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.